Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. That's it. Sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. Well, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Anybody excited that you made it to church this afternoon? Anybody love the Lord? I am always, I never take for granted the ability to be able to gather with the body of Christ, God's people, God's family, the chosen, the elect, the royal priesthood, the called out ones, the ones that have been saved from darkness into the marvelous light, the ones that the Lord has saved, the one the Lord has redeemed and ransomed. I am glad to be amongst the body today. It is a good Sunday to be gathered with uh, the people of God, simply because our King Jesus is on the throne. Welcome to our first-time visitors. If you're a first-time visitor, just kind of lift your hands real quick again. So, there we go. Man, it's so good to see y'all. Wow, 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 wow. Wow. Shout out to y'all, man. Shout out to y'all. Thank y'all for, for coming and hanging out. And those of you who are online, uh, we are uh, certainly excited that, that you are hanging out with us today. I don't know what, what camera is on or what camera Chris looked at, but Val, I love you too. I just want... <laughs> Want you to want you to know that. Well, I'm excited about um, the mission that the Church of, of, of God has been on here at Epiphany um, Epiphany Church. We believe that we exist to join Jesus in His mission to redeem our city. What is not lost on us is, is that it's His city, and it's a big city. But I think our job, our responsibility, is to make Jesus famous, is to make Him known, is to make Him proclaimed, and people who don't know him, that, that they'll get introduced to him. And people who know some stuff about him, they'll get introduced to him. And that might be somebody in this room that doesn't know the Lord in here. Maybe you're going to hear about Jesus for the first time today. We're excited that you're here. Welcome. Speaking of hearing about Jesus and proclaiming, grab your Bibles and your devices. Let's do it. That's why I'm up here is to preach the word of God. Once you get your Bibles or devices, get to the book of Haggai. Going to be in Haggai, Haggai chapter one. It's a small book; it's only two chapters, and so you can flip right by it if you grab two pages. You'll you'll flip it, flip right by it. But if you're looking for it and you have no familiarity, and you're looking at the person to the left of you to see where they're flipping or scrolling, uh, it is between Zephaniah and Zechariah. You'll find the book of Haggai. Somebody's like, "B, that didn't help me at all. I don't I don't know where those are either." Listen, there are. There are a few reasons why I'm preaching today from the book of Haggai. Um, first and foremost, because I believe that God speaks out of every book of the Bible. Like, I, I really believe that um, the way we choose sermons and sermon series and, and books that we go through is we, we want to see what the Lord has to say, and we pray and we seek the face of the Lord for our church. I don't know your business, uh, but the Lord knows your business, and so he always directs us into his word to directly impact you. Anybody ever came in here and was like, man, how did, how did, how did that word hit me the, the way it did? I promise you, it's not because I'm so skilled or wise or was on your Facebook or Instagram or TikTok. It is simply because the Lord knows how to direct us in the word of God. And today he's, he's brought us to the book of Haggai. So that's the first reason. Second reason is because I've never preached out of the book of Haggai. I've done devotionals. I've done studies. Uh, through this book, but never have preached out of it. And uh, I made a commitment a long time ago to not skip over hard stuff or not skip over the stuff that's in the word that nobody, you know, usually goes to. The, the way Paul says it to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, 
is I did not shrink away from declaring to you the whole counsel of God's word. Somebody say whole counsel. That means everything. That means your, your favorite passage and the one that's not so your favorite passage. All of those need to be proclaimed because we believe that God redeems and works through all scripture. Finally, the final reason I'm preaching from the book of Haggai is because I already know, like, you know, majority of this room, if not all of this room prayerfully, is going to go to heaven. And when you're walking around heaven and you bump into the prophet Haggai and he says, how'd you enjoy my book? I don't want you capping in heaven and lying. I want you really to be like, yo, it was dope. It was a great. I also don't want you to be like, my pastor never preached from that, you know, and then he got to come find me and deal with me. Um, so let's just, let's just dig into Haggai today. Um, real quick, mark these dates down, October 2nd to October 6th. That, that is, um, I, I, right before I went out on sabbatical, I really felt like the Lord was calling our church on uh, a week-long fast. And I know we do a fast at the top of the year, but I really feel that God is calling us to do an extra fast simply because we got a lot of decisions that we have to make. Um, if you look around this room, the, the church is growing. It was similar in the first service as well. And um, we want to be good stewards of what God is doing. And so what that means is we just have to put some things in place in order to make sure that the health, the health of the church is there. And so we got some decisions and I just feel, I don't know, I feel responsible to make sure that we are prayerfully making decisions. And so what that means is I, I just need everybody to kind of partake in this week-long fast. And some of, you, some of you need it. Some of you really need it. You've been disconnected from the Lord for a while. We're going to talk about that today, but... Uh, this fast should kind of redirect us and put us back on God's page and, and try to stop tr us from trying to get him onto our page, because y'all know that's what we do. So let's get in the word. Haggai, I hope y'all are awake. Some of y'all stayed up and watched the Colorado game at two o'clock in the morning. Uh, I fell asleep and woke back up, and, um, but it was a great game. All right, pick me up. Verse number two. Verse number two. Haggai 1 verse 2 says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came to me by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while his house or this house lies in ruins? Now, therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and have harvested little. You eat but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. Pay attention to these words. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified. That's what God is always after is his glory. Verse number nine, you look for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, watch this, y'all, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because my house lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew and the earth has withheld its produce. Verse number 11, we'll stop at verse 11. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills and on the grain and on the new wine and the oil and what brings forth and what the ground brings forth on man and on beast and on their labors. I want to preach today from the topic entitled, God wants our best, not the rest. Somebody look at your neighbor and just say, God wants our best, 
Now look at somebody else and just say, not the rest. Let's, uh, let's, let's, let's pray and then we'll, uh, we'll get into the word of God. Before I pray, let me just quickly say, uh, this, is, this is definitely not, the intention of uh, the focus today is not on uh, finances or stewardship or giving. I'm not pulling on the church. We're not running a campaign today to say we need this. That, that's not the goal, although that is a primary focus in the text. And so we'll, it, it's transferable. We'll, we'll talk about that. But uh, I want to look a little bit more broad and holistic. Uh, let's look to the Lord before we dig in. Father, help me to be faithful, Lord. I'm, I'm pleading with you to let me not add anything or take anything away from this text. Lord, the time that I spent with you this week, I pray, oh God, that that, that time the church would be able to get the overflow, that they would hear your words, not mine. But I pray that I would be faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation for all that believe. Speak to us today. May we hear Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen. God wants our best, not the rest. I've shared this with the church before, but um, before I was pastoring, I used to work at Verizon Wireless on the finance side. We used to call it the, the BFO, the Business Financial Operations Center. And um, while I was there, it wasn't because I was so skilled or so good at what I was doing. Honestly, the Lord did some things that moved me up the corporate ladder pretty quickly. Um, and in fact, uh, the way the Lord did it was I had two bosses that were above me, and uh, they both taught me some things that nobody else in the company knew how to do because we were on a very, very, very small team. And they both moved away. One moved away because she just needed to move away. The other one moved away because she got married and she moved down south. And they just offered me the position. And when they offered me the position, they were restructuring. And one of the things they said they wanted to do is, is they wanted to create a specific focused team. And they wanted me to lead that team. And so what, what that created for me was having 15 people new in a role where nobody knows what they're supposed to do or what they're not supposed to do. And I'm trying to figure out what people are supposed to do. I quickly realized that in order to have an effective team, I had to create job descriptions. I had to create roles. I had to create responsibilities because I just believe that if you as a manager or, or, or um, some type of leader over people, I believe that if you empower them with their responsibilities, they'll run well. Anybody like that? Like, I just tell me what to do and I'll, I'll get out there and, and, and I'll do it. Same thing here at the church. You know, we have a church staff. And can I just pause here to say our church staff is amazing. Like real talk. Incredibly, incredibly great. Incredibly great. And, you know, managing our, our staff is the same thing. I'm like, man, I want to empower them because they're all so effective and so gifted. I want to empower them. I want them, to, I want them to feel like leaders. I don't want to dictate everything that's going on. I want them to make decisions and them to lead. And so what I have to do is I have to create really, really clear position focus sheets. I have to create really clear job descriptions because that empowers them. I think about if God tapped me on the shoulder and said, I need you to do me a favor. Based on my will and my desire for each Old Testament prophet, I need you to create job descriptions for them. I need you to create roles and responsibilities. I thought about this earlier this week. I don't know why I went so deep with this, but I actually created a main focus for every single prophet in the Old Testament. And then I created some sub-focuses. The main focus for every single prophet in the Old Testament would be the exact same. And here's what I wrote. I said, the Old Testament prophet is entrusted with the essential task of disseminating the spoken word of God. 
This role encompasses not only sharing divine thoughts from the heart of God, but also actively guiding individuals back to a path of obedience and alignment with God's directive. That's the goal of every single prophet, every major prophet, every minor prophet. That's the goal. And also the other goal that they have is to talk about Jesus, every single one of them. But I have some sub points that I would give to each one of them. That would be the main thing on every one of their job descriptions. But underneath that, for Jeremiah, I, I, would, I, I, would, I would do a little different. For Jeremiah, I would focus him on that, but I would also focus him on calling Israel back from a false and insincere worship and a failure to trust God. And he was a sensitive prophet. He cried a lot. In fact, he's nicknamed the weeping prophet because he has a lot of lament and a lot of sorrow and a lot of grief within his book. Similar, I, I, would, I would give Isaiah a sub-focus. His focus would be to warn God's people of the coming judgment because of their oppressive practices and their rebellion against him. Isaiah, I, I, all of them have to talk about Jesus, but Isaiah, I'd be like, man, chapter 53, throw something real crystal clear in there about the cross. He was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace. That'd preach right there all by itself. So I, I'd have, focus Isaiah somewhere around there. Ezekiel, I'd have him to take a more priestly role to warn Israel of the coming destruction of the temple and also have him show them that in the future, the glory, glory will be returned back to Israel. Is this all right? My job? Can I go through a little bit of job description here? I, I, Micah, I would focus him on pursuing justice because I know that years from now, this country that's not even mentioned in the Bible called America is going to be all messed up when it comes to justice. And so I got to have them go to my prophets. I got to have them talk about how God cares about justice and God cares about mercy. In fact, there's a, there's a verse in Micah, Micah chapter 6, 8 that says, what does the Lord require of you? He says three things. Do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. I would have Micah focus on justice and mercy. But finally, well, not finally. Jonah, his would be real quick. Don't act a fool. Don't be crazy. Follow God, period. That's, that's his job description right there. Haggai, which is the book we're in right now, his focus would be to challenge God's people concerning their priorities. Somebody say priorities. That's what we're talking about today. Now, here's the thing. I know what you're doing. You, you feel like you got it all together and my priorities are straight. Pastor B, skip this one. Come, I'll come back next week. But, but I, I realize that many of us are just like Israel in the, the text today where we started out pursuing the Lord and we started out pursuing the Lord. And we started out pursuing the Lord. We started out on fire. Think about when you first got saved, how on fire you were. But somewhere along the lines, we begin to drift. And as a consequence, our responsibility to trust God as the priority, he began to get pushed further and further down on the list. Let me give you quick context or else I won't be able to sleep tonight. Quick context for the book of Haggai. Judah was in Babylonian captivity for years. And as they were in Babylonian captivity, God raised up really three people. He raised up Daniel. And Daniel, y'all know Daniel, right? Dan, we went through the whole book of Daniel. Daniel's this, this guy that has a lot of character and a lot of integrity. He loved to pray. In fact, there's an entire chapter, chapter 9, in the book of Daniel devoted to his prayer. And he prays, and he, he got such a relationship with the Lord. As he's praying, God is already sending the angel down to answer the prayer. Now, one of the things that he was praying for was the release of God's people. 
from captivity. Well, God answered the prayer. He did so later on and God raised up another young man by the name of Nehemiah. Y'all know Nehemiah, right? He was called to rebuild the wall. That was after they were in Babylonian captivity. Uh, The Bible tells me uh, that uh, Cyrus, the king of Persia, let Israel go. Y'all let me do this work here. Let Israel go back to Jerusalem. They get back in Jerusalem, but everything's destroyed. So Nehemiah is raised up to build the wall so that the people are protected. Ezra is raised up as the priest. And what Ezra does is Ezra simply calls the people back to a relationship with the Lord and he oversees the building project because they were called to build the temple. Now, finally, they get back to Jerusalem and they start building and things are going well. And we rejoice over the book of Nehemiah because things are going well. And we rejoice that Ezra is bringing out the book of the law and they're reading it. But do you realize that they stayed in Jerusalem for 15 years and for 15 years, they begin to switch priorities. For 15 years, they started out on fire when they got back, but then they drifted in their responsibility to trust God and have him be first in their lives. Let me tell you something about God. God does not like to be second. He don't play that. He don't don't like to ride passenger. He don't ever call shotgun. How many know that the God that we serve wants to drive? He wants to lead. He wants to direct our lives. He wants you to follow. Sometimes he wants you to talk, and sometimes he wants you to shut up and follow. And it's good for us because this is the leadership of our God. In fact, we don't have to look in the book of Haggai to see that God doesn't like to be second. Look at the first of the Ten Commandments. What is the first of the Ten Commandments? You shall have no other gods before me. God does not like to be second. And I know what you're doing. You're going, well, Pastor B, he's first in my life because I haven't erected a, you know, a, a statue in my house of some other God because I don't, you know, I don't worship these false gods. But do you, do you really not worship false gods? Because I I think some of us only think of false gods as these statues that we bow down and worship. But let's be honest, some of us busy ourselves with a bunch of idols and a bunch of functional saviors and a bunch of gods. And God's sitting back going, y'all don't know I will smite y'all because I don't like being second. I like to be priority in your life. Somebody say priority. Now, I think that the priority of Israel in the book of Haggai is the priority of maybe not everybody, but a lot of people in this room. Look at what it says here in verse 2. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say that the time has not come yet to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came to me by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Verse 4, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while my house or this house lies? In ruins, I don't know if you're paying attention, but those 15 years they came back, they didn't only neglect to build the house of the Lord, they started to busy themselves and build their own houses. Imagine that. The God of the universe set them free from Babylonian captivity. They finally make it back, and I don't completely blame them. I probably would be one of them doing the same thing. I've been in captivity for so long, I finally was able to plot out a piece of land. Of course, I'm going to build my house. But God is like, I ain't mad that you're building your house. I'm mad that you're building your house at the expense of mine. Because, yes, I want you to, I want you to have a place. That's why, that's why I brought you out of captivity, so that you can have a home that my presence can dwell in. But you got to get to the temple. Because it is in the temple where I corporately meet with my people. Now, this don't really resonate for us. Sometimes this isn't apples to apples because most of the people in the room aren't building a house in Brooklyn. I mean, and if you are, you are falling out of control. 
out of control. But most of us in the, most of us in the room, we're not building our own personal houses. And so we're like, well, this don't make sense. But the truth of the matter is we are just like Israel. Why? Because we are too busy, busy ourselves building our lives, busy building our careers, busy building our relationships and our family. And we got 10 vision boards and God ain't on none of them. We got resumes that we build in. We got prospectuses and we got, we got, we got uh, all types of business plans that we're building all of these things and we're trying to put ourselves on. And God is like, this is great because I put that in you, but you can't do that at the expense of me. Some of us need to reprioritize. And you might be sitting here going, well, how do I know? Look at your schedule. If you want to know what your God is, there's two places you can look. Look at the place that you go when you hit hardship or you have death in the family. And look at your bank account. Those two places always tell me your God. Always. The first place you run when you are hurt is your God. The first place that you spend your money is your God. How many know that God wants the first fruits? Okay, this is not, I promise y'all, this is not a sermon on money. But it's true. Because I know my idols in my life, sometimes I can look at my bank account and be like, well, that's an idol. That's a God right there. Now, the thing about Israel is Israel wasn't, y'all are quiet. Israel wasn't sitting there going, we ain't building God's house. They was like, we were building it. But here's what they said in verse number three. The time has not yet come to rebuild the house. In other words, we're going to get to it one day. And I know that's the room. That's how we think. We think about our, our spiritual lives and we have this futuristic us that prays more and gives more and, and reads our word more and submits to discipleship more. But we'd be like, I'm going to get to that one day. And we're no better than Israel. We are no better than Israel. We're going, God, let me finish up the patio and I'll get to you. Let me put granite countertops on and I'll get to you. Let me remodel the kitchen and I'll get to you. Let me lay these hardwood floors down and I will finally get to you. And again, I know you're not building a house or most of you are not building a house. So let's make it different. Well, what about the promotion? God, I'll get to you once I get the promotion. God, I'll get to you once the kids get, get a little bit older. Finally, I'll get to you when, when, when I you know, finish school. But we serve a God that wants to help you through school and a God that wants to help you with that relationship and a God that wants to help you to build, to raise up those children. Somebody say spiritual procrastination. That, that's, that's our problem. And as a result and as a consequence, we've pushed God further and further and further back. And we would never, ever, ever audibly say God isn't first or God isn't head or God isn't central. We would never say that, but our schedules show that. Our calendars show that. You got time for everything else this week. Just think of the last week. Think about how much you did. Many of y'all are crazy busy. My calendar stays jam-packed, but where on my calendar have I blocked off? This is God's time. I got to spend time with the Lord because some of us, we've reprioritized our lives. Even though we started out on fire with the Lord, we reprioritized God and he's no longer, we're no longer intentionally put him first. Let me tell you something. Please don't intentionally put God second. Never, ever, ever, ever do that. Don't look for one day. I'm going to give, I'm going to give everything to him. No, today. Because one of the things the pandemic should have taught us is you can be here today. I was going to say gone tomorrow, but Delisha, you can be here today and gone today. This afternoon ain't promised to you. You don't know when your, your expiration date is. You need to get it right today. And I'm talking to many of you in this room. 
that have focused on that relationship and you, it's, as a consequence, you've treated God as a side chick. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Well, I, I'll get with you, you know, when I'm, when I'm done with the main chick. That's how we treat God. And we would never, ever, we would never say that. But y'all know I'm telling the truth, but you can get your prayer life together now. You can get that devotional life together now. It is not that you can overcome that sin now. You can submit to discipleship now. You can get the resources together and make sure you're giving God now. Now. Somebody say now. Now is the time. Because here's the problem. When we don't prioritize God, he frustrates our plans. I'm in the book, y'all. I'm not. I promise y'all, I ain't just thinking this. I'm just reading from verse 6. Because look at it. Look at them. They, they didn't prioritize God for 15 years. And the Bible says here in verse 6, you have sown much, but harvested little. That's, frust- that's frustrating. You eat, but you're, you never have enough. Anybody like to eat? You know, I eat too well. I'm, I'm like ready to pop. I know it's gluttony, but that's how, I, that's how I feel. You know, it makes me happy. Can you imagine eating, 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 and never getting your feel? That's what the scripture said that they were dealing with. Verse number six, it says, it says, you clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so and puts them into a bag with holes. Verse number nine, you look for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because my house that lies in ruins while each of you busies yourself with your own house. Therefore, the heavens above you will withhold the dew and the earth will withhold the produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and on the hills and on the grain and on the oil and on the wine. And he goes on to say, I'm frustrating their labors. Yo, you know how scary that is? That God is like, you can work, 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 work. I felt like Rihanna right there. <laughs> and accomplish and produce nothing. I've been there before. I remember when Ty told me one time when I was in college, it, it frustrated me when she told me it, but it was so true. At the time, I had, you know, both the boys were, were little. They were small. We just purchased a house, and, and uh, uh, I was working full time. That's when I just got the job at that time, and I was working uh, nine to five, and then I was in school at the same time. I was going to, to uh, 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 Karen University, formerly known as Philadelphia Biblical University, and I would go from these intensives from six to ten, three nights a week. And then I would drive an hour and a half all the way back home. And then I would get up and do it again. And I remember saying to Ty, Ty was like, how you doing? I was like, ah, I'm just tired. She was like, yeah, but are you producing anything? I got an attitude. I'm like, yo, like, you see me out here. She's like, yeah, but are you, you know, there's a scripture that says, don't box as one beating the air. Where you sitting there and you, you know, you swinging, you're doing a Floyd Mayweather, but you hit nothing. Don't run as one that is running against the wind. Many of us, that is our lives where we are working and working and working. And guess what? Working without producing nothing is a sign that God is frustrating the plans. He's frustrating the plans. He says here, you have sown much, but harvested little. Y'all know that's frustrating where I sowed, I was working, I was sweating, but to no avail. And at the end of the thing, the harvest produced no fruit. No fruit at all. Somebody say to no avail. But you're working. And as many of your lives, you're busy. If you want to find out if you've prioritized the Lord, look in the areas of your life where you're, where you're busy, but you produce nothing. And I know that's many, uh, that's many of, 
our lives where we work and we have little to show for it. So God, what he does is, verse number nine says that, that, that he frustrates the plans. In fact, it says, you brought home, you brought, you brought it home. He says, and I blew it away. Can like, imagine that. I think that's what God does with some of our careers. When you're working hard, you, you're not focused on the Lord, right? You focus on, 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 on climbing. And you're, you're focused on, on getting that business off. And you're so focused on that. I'm not saying don't focus on it, but don't focus on it at the, at the point where you don't focus on the Lord. And you're focused and you're grinding and you're grinding and you're grinding. And you look up and nothing has happened. You know why? Because God was like, and blew on it. It's the same way with your finances. You spend money on everything. And you have never given God anything. You haven't honored God with your, with your wealth, with your, with, with your first fruits. And because you haven't given God anything, you look at the bank account, even though you're, you got a promotion and you're making more. Anybody been there where you made more, but you was broke? Like how? Like the math ain't math and where's my money going? I'll tell you where the money was going. God is like, <laughs> and blowing on the money. About the relationships. Oh, y'all know he... Y'all know I'm telling the truth with the relationships. Where we don't focus on the Lord, we're focused on this one individual because I've been lonely for so long and the clock is ticking and I want to have kids. And so because we're focusing on the relationship and haven't given God his, God is blowing on the relationship. Some of y'all went on a date last night. He was like, I knew he was, he was, he blew on this one. I already knew it. He was just the wrong one. I knew it. Couldn't figure it out. But thanks, Pastor B. You, you, you helped me out. Well, God just, he, he blows it, he blows it away. Here's what C.S. Lewis said. He said, the first thing, he said, the, put first things first and second things are thrown in. Put second things first and you lose both first and second things. I'm going to say that again because that, that's ministered to me. C.S. Lewis said, put first things first and second things are thrown in. But if you put first things second, you lose both first and second things. It is so true. Now, I got to be careful here because I, I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel, you know, where, where God, you know, there's some spiritual rebate check or, or some spiritual guarantee policy where you write a check to the Lord and he gives you back a bigger one. That's not always the case. Sometimes you could be minding your own business, doing the will of God, walking with the Lord, honoring the Lord, and he'll throw some, some hardship in your life. And he usually does that to test us and purify us and sanctify us and grow us. I hate those seasons, but he does use that. And so I don't want to preach a prosperity gospel, but I also want to let you know that it is true when you prioritize the, prioritize the Lord, he does add to what you have. Let me give you scripture there. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. What about 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 10? Now he who provides seed to the sower and bread for food will provide and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Let's bump that one up with what we just read. They running and running and running and God ain't producing for them. And the Bible says that if you, if you give seed to the sower and you, and you give to the Lord, he multiplies and increases your seed. That ain't prosperity. That's Bible. And these are promises that you and I have available to us, but we don't tap into them. But you look nice and you spend on yourself. Vacation was dope. We killed the vacation. 
all the gram look great. We put it all over the gram and, you know, we got it all together. Or some of us, we worship our savings account and I put money in there. I put money and I'm saving up for this thing. And yes, praise God, be wise stewards, but please don't prioritize God second with your money. It's exactly what we do. And every single time we do it, he blew it away. And you know what's crazy? You know, many of us, when he blows it away, we blame the devil. Like in the text, the devil is nowhere mentioned. God is like, I blew it away. I shut the heavens. I withheld the dew. I stopped the earth from producing. And so your problem is not just your problem. Your problem isn't the devil. Your problem is God. Oh, wait, let me say that differently. Your problem is that you haven't prioritized God, so therefore God became your problem. That's what it is. Because God will not play that second fiddle stuff. He wants to be first and uh, foremost in your life. Stop squeezing God in the margins. Stop looking at your money and going, oh, I said I wasn't preaching on money. Stop looking at your money and going, oh, you know, I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to do this. I got to do this. And when I'm done with that, I'll squeeze God in. He's like, you ain't squeezing me in when I provided all of it. I asked you for a piece and I'll blow all of it away if you don't give me a piece. Not only did he frustrate their efforts, but they were also unable to experience contentment. If you pay attention to verse 6, the B part of verse 6, I skipped over it, but y'all know how deep this is. The B part of verse 6 says, and he who earns wages does so and puts them into a bag with holes. Anybody feel like that? Sometimes I feel like that, man. Where There's a a huge hole in my bag, and this is why you can make money and look in your bank account and it's gone. Well, it's two reasons. It might be because God is blowing on your money. The other reason is because y'all know online shopping is, is of the devil. Y'all know y'all got packages coming and coming and coming. You know, we so, we so stupid. I buy something and the package comes. I like, like a kid on Christmas. Oh, I got a package. Negro, you bought it. And Ty got that spirit on her as well. I just want to, I want to put myself out there. Packages just be coming. And she calls me the Amazon king. But I'd be like, well, you're the queen. Because we spend and we spend and we spend, but some of us are, are not spending and we're trying to save. But because you haven't honored the Lord with your wealth, that scripture <sighs> blew on it. Walking around with holes in the bag. You know, there's another scripture in Jeremiah. I asked the, the, the tech team to put this up. I, there's another scripture in Jeremiah that says this. It says, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Can you imagine that? Instead, they took cisterns, put water in them, and the moment they walked around, the water was leaking out. But the top of that verse said, and they've ignored that I am the fountain of living water. How dare we 
Ignore the fountain of living water and prioritize him as all and, 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 and above all and ultimate. How do we ignore that to grab a cistern that has a hole in it? That's how we live our lives. And you might be saying, well, okay, talk to me about something other than money. We do that when it comes to our marriages. We get married and we make our marriage, which is good, right? Marriage is beautiful. Marriage is, is godly. It is a good thing. But a good thing can be made ultimate. And when you make it ultimate, you now created a God. And we do that with our marriage. We do that with the stuff that God blesses us with. How you take something that God blesses you with and say, now it's my God. Do that with marriage. We, we do that when we're trying to climb up that corporate ladder and you finally get the job and, 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 and you're no longer focusing on the Lord, even though he gave you that. We prayed in small group for that job. You got it. And then it became your Lord. We do that with buying houses and buying property. We do that with stupid stuff like gadgets. Y'all know that new iPhone is the same as the old one? There's no difference. Camera quality, same. Like, because that's why we buy it, you know, the camera quality. That's why we really, you know, you want to take the grand pics. It's the same. And when we do that stuff, God is like, you are not prioritizing me. And so therefore, not only am I going to frustrate your plans, but you will, un, you will be unable to experience real lasting contentment. Prioritize God. And he gives us both primary and secondary things. Some of you are so disappointed with life right now and where you are. And I wonder if we just look introspective for a second. I wonder if we'll see that we actually have a small hole in that bag. And then it grows. And then it grows. And next thing you know, you got a God-sized hole in your bag. And everything that comes in goes right back out. And it's not because you're a bad steward. It's because God blew on your money. I'm going to move on here. Scripture says, that they started out on fire. They started out running after the Lord. They started to focus on other things and started to build their own houses. And so therefore, God said, well, I'm going to frustrate their plans. They're going to work, 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 and they're going to have no produce. Not only that, but I'm also going to have them to lack contentment. Pastor B, I hear you. I feel you, but you got to give me some hope. Because if I leave out of here and all you tell me is that God's going to put holes in the bag and he's going to blow on my money, you got to give me something else. Here's how Haggai redirects them back to the Lord. Now, I don't know if y'all noticed this, but two verses that I read are the exact same. Y'all, anybody pick that up? Verse number five. Verse number five says, now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. He says the exact same thing in verse number seven. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Two times he says, consider your ways. He's calling Israel to take a moment to reflect on their actions and their priorities. And I think... Uh, as he's calling them, I think he's calling us. I think he's calling you to reflect. Just for a moment, that's the beginning. I, I mean, when I read this, I was going, man, it got to be something deeper. We've been, we've been out of your will for the last 15 years. Surely you're going to call us on a fast. You're going to call us to consecrate. You're going to call us to sacrifice. You're going to call us to, stick to, to, to break down the house. You're going to call us to something. He doesn't tell them to tear down the house. He simply tells them, watch this consider your ways. Just think about it. And I want you to do that for a second. How in your rhythms of life have you prioritized other things over the Lord? Now, now, now wait a second, because I know audibly we'll never say we do that. Never. But just think for a second. What ways have you put other things and made them ultimate before the Lord? The first thing he says two times is consider your ways, consider your ways. After he does that, he gives them another remedy. The other remedy is in verse number eight. Go up to the hills, bring wood, build me a house. Do y'all know how simple 
this redirect of priorities is? Consider your ways, go to the hills, bring down wood, start building me a house. Don't tear yours down. Just build me one. Just put, put me in a crib. Put me somewhere where I can be worshipped. Put me somewhere where I can be glorified by my body. It's that simple today, y'all. It is so simple. He simply wants you to reprioritize. It's, it's, it's ABC. It's easy as one, two, three. It's simple as do re me. ABC. Baby, you and me, girl. Simple. He simply wants you to consider your ways, go to the hills, bring down the wood, and build me a house. I just have a simple question. Who is willing today to at least consider their ways? Thank y'all for, thank y'all. I have another question. If you consider your ways and you find out that you, re, that you prioritize everything over, than, over God, here's a simple question. Are you willing to go to the hills? Ah, get the wood and start building God a house. Now, here's what I'm not asking for. I'm not asking for everybody to be like, do the ministry fair again because I'm signing up. Like, it'll be, praise God if you do. I think the benefit of serving is community. You get to know the body. So yes, please do, do that. I'm not, simply, I'm not simply saying go to your bank account and empty it all and give it to the church. That's not what I'm saying. Don't be foolish. I'm simply asking in what ways have you put something else over God? Y'all want to know why I prioritize God? Let me, let me rephrase that. In seasons, because the moment that you feel like you prioritize them, life start lifing, and you got to reprioritize them again. You know the reason that always draws me back to the heart of God? The reason I want to prioritize God is because he prioritized me via the cross. God, Lee, do you know what Jesus did on the cross? The Bible tells me that Jesus, the king of the universe, the, the, not just the creator, but the sustainer. If Jesus stops being Jesus, everything falls apart. The Bible says that he upholds the universe, Colossians chapter 1. And so imagine this. The king of kings is sitting on his throne. And the plan is, I got to go die for them. Bible tells me that angels are worshiping him. Y'all remember Isaiah 6, there's one hook. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord our God. Angels taking off crowns and putting them before the feet of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, wait, 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 wait. I know I'm up here in heaven and I'm receiving all of this splendor and all of this glory, but I got to stop for a second because I got to step off my throne and step into earth. And when I step into earth, God, this ain't nothing but the gospel. I am stepping into earth for one purpose, to seek and save that which is lost. The Bible says that Jesus lives amongst us. I say this all the time, but it's true. He comes down and breathes air that he created in Genesis 1 eats food that he created, subjects himself from having to get tired and go to sleep, uses the bathroom, let me go deeper, gets nailed to a piece of wood that he created, gets slapped with a hand that he created, and he did all of that for you. Do you know that a Philippian says that he emptied himself? He poured out all of who he was so that he can go to the cross as a lamb. But how many know that lamb is coming back as a ferocious lion? Here's the questions you should be asking yourself. I, I literally wrote these questions down. And I'm going to end. In fact, I'm going to end. 
is Jesus worthy of everything in your life? Like if there's one thing you have in your life, one thing that you were like, I give up everything except that for Jesus, you should ask God to rip it out of your hands today. There is nothing in your life that should be prioritized over Jesus. That's the first question. Is he worthy of everything? Second question is, what rhythms in your life need to change to show that you are prioritizing God? Third question, have you taken inventory of the areas of life that are frustrating and you lack contentment? Usually God is working in those areas. Finally, do you need to repent of those areas? And after you repent, verse 7 and 8, consider your ways, go to the hills, bring down wood, and build me a house. Here's what I think God is calling Epiphany Church to. I think he's calling us to grow up. I ain't trying to beat you up, but some of you, I feel like Benny Hinn right now. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Mitchell, I'm sorry. I think he's calling many of us to grow up. I think he's calling some of you. Some of you, I think he's calling you to grow up because you've lived life for so long and you've kind of been surfaced and you, you, you kind of did your, you did your God thing, but you know, there's other things in your life that are, that are more important and God is like, grow up. B, I gave you everything you got, everything you have, God gave you and everything you are, God made you. Give him what he deserves. But what does he deserve? Today he deserves glory. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Is this all right, y'all? Can I pray? Can I pray? I, wanna, I was going to call an altar call, but I want to pray for the entire room. Worship team, y'all come on up. Worship team, come on up. Matthias, let's go right into old, come to the altar. And the altar today is not necessarily standing around the stage. I think the altar today is at your heart because I think what God is getting at is at your heart today. Father, I pray for everybody in the room. Lord, I, I realize, oh God, how difficult it is to go through life and sometimes be ignorant and unaware of functional saviors. But Lord, I pray, oh God, that you would help us to consider our ways in such a way that it exposes us, that there are some things in our life that we've made ultimate. But Lord, I pray, oh God, that once we consider and find out and identify those things, Lord, I pray today that you would start to remove them because we want to honor you, Lord. I really believe that, I believe that most of the room wants to honor you. I do. I believe it, Lord. I believe that everybody's serving and everybody that's giving and faithful, I pray, I think that we all want to honor you. But sometimes life does throw us off and the shiny objects of life glitter in such a way that they pull us and call us. Lord, I pray, oh God, that you would help us to rebuke those things so that we can focus on you so, Lord, your son and your daughter that's in this room is coming to you and asking, oh, God, that you help us to reprioritize because the time is now, because you're worthy of worship now. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Somebody say amen.